Hello. It has come to my attention that there is no podcast dedicated to conservation and climate change out there. My name is Eric Davis. I am coming from you from Kearney, Nebraska. A lot of people do not know where that is out there in the world, but it is almost smack dab in the middle of south central south or south central <laughs> nebraska um right along the interstate of the i interstate 80 um i'm not from Kearney, but i'm from nebraska i work in conservation i am coming to you on this topic because with this COVID-19 coronavirus uh, epidemic, pandemic that we're going through right now, what does that mean for conservation efforts? And right now, a lot of my events and educational outreach has been stopped. It's very, very hard for me to not uh, get out there and try to reach out to people who are concerned about the same things I am. And it's amazing. Uh, the national media will tell you that, oh, Nebraska is this major red state that it's always going to be Republican no matter what, blah, blah, blah. And conservation is an issue that only the liberals care about and blah, blah, blah. But that's not true. Climate change is not something limited to the left. Climate change affects all of us. Uh I believe many people in Nebraska are aware that climate change is happening. Uh, they are preparing for the effects of climate change. Uh, we are a huge agricultural state, and trust me, farmers are preparing themselves to change their ways of operation because of global climate change. And that is one thing we do worry about. Uh, we've had we had record flooding last year in 2019. I at about this time was the first wave um, last year, and it definitely puts a damper on things and it makes people think and stop and think. And we've had a pretty mild winter. For the most part, not a lot of snowfall in most of Nebraska. Um, I would say that was pretty much most of the U.S. has been lower than normal snowfalls this last winter. I mean, we're still in winter, but technically. But I guess we're in spring now, I guess. But uh, <laughs> just got done through winter, and uh, yeah, a little... Lower than normal snowfall here. 
but that's okay. We had um, very close to the Platte River. The Platte River is still pretty um, high from those record floods last year uh, and record rainfall. So we still have plenty of moisture in our groundwater supply and our um, rivers are still flowing at a pretty high rate. Uh, so right now we're not that concerned about uh, upcoming drought uh, anytime soon. I mean, unless we do not experience any rain in April, May, and June. Like if we get like less than one inch, I mean, then then we'll we'll be worrying about that kind of stuff. But right now we're not because of the high amounts of water in our water. Right now we're good. The the only problem with our water is it's high in nitrates and phosphates as well as uh, our rivers are not very clean in general. They're car parts and, and tires and, you know, all sorts of pollution and almost all our rivers in Nebraska. So, with this, uh, a little bit of background about me. I grew up fishing in creeks and rivers and in ponds and lakes and whatever. <clears throat> the main creek I fished from when I was a kid was Union Creek and well and Taylor Creek. Right on they meet and I would fish like right where they met for the most part. And um we were told by our parents we can't eat the fish that comes from that creek because it flows down from the pork plant, the pork processing plant uh, in the same town that both my parents at the time worked for. Uh, for well, my, both my parents worked for it at, at one time. My dad still currently works there. Uh so it's just that always has stuck with me. My family, we'd go camping. We'd make sure we always kept our campsite the cleanest as we returned it, or even cleaner. Um, we've recycled all the time when I was younger. Um, and not just cans. We recycled our newspapers, our tin cans, our aluminum cans, our glass, until they stopped accepting glass, our milk cartons, our laundry soap cartons, everything, uh, we would take them down to the local recycler until we moved out of town, and then we didn't do that anymore. My dad still collected cans and recycled them on a somewhat regular basis. Um... But getting back to what conservation means and what it is, how people in Nebraska are, are very much involved in conservation efforts. We are the we were the first state to implement a natural resource district uh, 
something over 40 years ago now. Uh, we made we made 23 local boards uh, come together on the basis of protecting and establishing uh, our natural resources, mainly our groundwater and surface water. Um, and that was to help with um, making sure farmers weren't taking too much water from the land while ensuring that other farmers would be able to get enough water for their land. And it was based to prevent overusage. And over time, it's evolved into managing nitrate levels and phosphate levels in our groundwater as well. And I believe we're doing an okay job, not the greatest job. I believe our national resource districts need to um, share information better. Um, some do a better job than others in sharing information on the nitrate levels and the um, amount of wells they've tested and all that. And um, But we need to continue testing more and more wells we, uh, and uh, making sure our nitrate levels are decreasing and not just staying the status quo. We want them to decrease. That is the all-important goal. And and to do this, we need to prevent runoff and erosion. And with last year with the flooding, the erosion and runoff was evident in many counties in Nebraska where they do better job at protecting our rivers and streams from runoff than others. Uh, you could see the difference in techniques by the farmers and uh, and how they tend to their fields. Uh, you could see the preventing erosion techniques that farmers have implemented have worked. Uh, and we've seen that farmers who do not do that, um, how they their fields were more susceptible. We also seen fields with standing water in them and uh, lots lots of standing water in fields. And then we'd go, you know, two or three miles down the road, you'd see a field with no standing water in it, and you'd like what's the difference here? And then you talk to the farmer and you find out that this is what they did to prevent uh, water from standing into their field and actually it getting filtrated down into the soil. And that's kind of very important. So we need to you know, work with our farmers and ranchers to implement programs and uh, make sure that we mitigate flooding and also prepare for drought because we may have had a flood last year, but in the future we will have a drought. We could have a drought that lasts two years. 
And that's not at all uncommon in the future. We will see a drought. I'm not trying to sound the alarms of anything right away. But be aware, we will see it. Um, and it just takes those... Uh, we need to look at those efforts and make sure we work to prevent the worst of the worst. We don't want the dust bowl again. We want to implement programs at that they implemented after the dust bowl to prevent a dust bowl. <laughs> we want to look back at what they did in the 40s and 50s and 60s and uh, go back to those type of programs that seem to work. And... We can do that. We know how. We've done it. But we stopped. We, we, we shouldn't have stopped. Um, CRP land. Uh, uh, shelter belts. Uh, buffer. Uh, plots between crops. Um, crop rotation is still huge. It's a thing that needs to be done and it's I think it needs to be a we might need to change a little bit on that on how we rotate the crops as well uh, maybe instead of doing soybeans and then corn right after maybe do two years of soybeans in the fields and then do a corn I don't know if that would um, you know do a four-year crop rotation instead of a two or three-year. Most do a two or three-year, and they have corn, soybeans, alfalfa, or they do alfalfa, corn, soybeans, alfalfa, corn, soybeans, or corn, alfalfa, soybeans, or or corn, soybean, corn, soybean, corn, soybean. But doing corn, soybean, corn, soybean doesn't uh, put enough nitrates back into the, or nitrogen back into the, Soil for that corn that needs that extra boost of nitrogen to put into it via uh, fertilizer. So we need to maybe maybe do a couple, uh, maybe do less corn. Maybe I don't know. Um, but man, telling farmers that you need to change your ways. Uh, it's very hard because uh, the seed. Uh, salesman is like, you're going to get blah, blah, blah yield out of this crop if you do this. And the fertilizer's like, well, I can raise your yield for uh, 2% with this application and all these, you know, things. And all they see is yield and that equates money. And it's not all about that. It's about preserving the land. And we need to preserve the land for the future generations because right now we're not doing enough to preserve the land we we know how to do it we have the technology we have the ability it's just we need to educate uh how to preserve the land and conserve uh water and, cons and conserve uh soil to make it thrive but until we do that, we, we, we're kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place. And with that, there's 
other things we can do uh, with conservation that doesn't have to do with farming. And that is city conservation. Uh, simple things that we need to do is implement more recycling throughout our state. First and foremost, yes, recycling is, you know, simple. Anybody can recycle. And we have way too many things that we can recycle that our recycling centers just do not uh, accept um, or do not take. Um, and we'll get into that in a different episode. But right now, other things that cities can do is uh, uh, lessen their use of chemical fertilizer in their um, parks and um, parking lots by not spraying weeds uh, with chemical fertilizer. They can uh, utilize other uh, things. Uh, a chemical fertilizer, weed killer, whatever. Uh, stop using glyphosate, uh, aka Roundup. That's a known cancer killer causer. Uh, uh, cities and uh, municipalities could stop using that today, and that'd be a huge, huge, huge thing for our, our water quality. Our groundwater quality because these chemicals they spray on a plant or you know you can have cities and municipalities ban the product 100% they won't but we can as people rise up uh, go up to our city council members say this is a known cancer causer we want this product banned from the shelves we are no longer allowed to sell this product in our city yes I'm aware the next town over will still sell it and you can get it and blah 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 but we could enhance you know uh, impose fines for people caught using it and blah blah and all that kind of stuff that can be done and you say, oh, in America, we can't ban things. Yes, we can. <laughs> but that that's just uh, one thing that a city can do. Uh, and ramp up uh, recycling is a huge thing. Uh, not just have recycling drop-offs, but have recycling pickup every week or every two weeks or whenever. Uh, recycling programs that need to happen. And I think every large city should do this. Uh there's a lot of, or a, even smaller cities like uh, Minden, Nebraska, only about 25 miles away from here. They have a, a curbside pickup for recycling, and it's a town of less than 5,000 people. So it can be done in your small municipality as well, and we can do that. Um, the next things that we could do with conservation and our big cities is promote uh, business businesses to sorry uh, we could prevent 
or promote businesses to uh, recycle and give them initiatives to do so. Uh, so we could try that. Uh, we could also promote businesses for uh, using less electricity, uh, conserve the electricity by giving them um, initiatives to change, uh, update their windows, uh, upgrade their uh, HVAC systems, uh, upgrade, uh, upgrade their roofs. Uh, instead of having black roofs, they could uh, paint them white. It's amazing that does conserve electricity. It's so amazing, but no one knows about that, apparently. Uh, we could initiate uh, uh, some community solar efforts, as well as uh, in-house, in-home solar, uh, having some promotions and incentives that way as well could be added to our docket from city municipalities up into the state level there. We can educate and promote uh, conservation efforts in schools, uh, teach uh, the children how uh, conservation is important to us as a human society, how it not only helps our water and our plants and things, trees and stuff, but it also helps the critters that kids love so much. They love learning about critters. Uh, so conservation efforts with the uh, critters and teaching and making sure we have species uh, coming back from the brink uh, like we've done with the bald eagles. Um, that's my greatest, my favorite example uh, in my lifetime. When I was a kid, uh, I'd never seen a bald eagle until I was probably 10 years old uh, it, in the wild. Uh, and it was amazing. And now I can go up on the daily and see one. That's conservation. I'm 34 years old. And it took me 10 years to see a bald eagle in Nebraska in the wild. Now I can literally walk out, go out into the country, spend a half hour in a wilderness area, and I could probably spot a bald eagle within a half hour. We have done that. We have brought species back from the brink. We can do this again. We can do this with the black-footed ferret, the whooping crane, the piping plover, the and many others. Um, we can do this, and we can need a help. We need your help. We need people. And with people, we can win. This has been Conservation Minute with Eric Davis.
from Conservation Nebraska. If you would like to hear more, just give me a holler at edavis at neconserve.org. Thank you for anchor.fm for um, letting me use their platform to create this episode. And hopefully we can do one of these on the daily.